over there, there, trying not to stare, but you like what you see. Moon walking on the air, yeah, it ain't even fair, so on top of the beat. Better listen up, we about to make it happen. So hot, we burn it up. We just can't get enough. Get down now, have some fun, cause we about to make it, we about to make it happen. And welcome back to Lisa and Leo on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Oh, is it my turn? (laughs) You don't have have to to say anything. I always have to wait my turn with you. So much of my life has been waiting for you, honestly. I don't think that's true. I missed all of my 50s just waiting for you. You did not. Listen, you pointed out a terrific story today. It's actually occurring this year. I think it will be... Officially in November of this year, Mickey Mouse. What's happening with Mickey Mouse after 95 years? You know, it's copyright. Copyright only lasts so so many years. I I think it's 89 years. Is, is, Is that what the article says? Well, I looked up the copyright term extension act when you mentioned that Mickey Mouse was going to be available in the public domain. Now, this is the original Mickey Mouse. This is the one that... Walt, I worked at Disney World, for those of you who, who don't know. And we had to go through, when I worked there, Disney University for like three or four days. And apparently, uh, Mickey was originally going to be called Mortimer in Steamboat <laughs> Willie. That's right. But Disney's wife, Walt's wife, uh, said no. And of course, we know you got to follow what your wife says. And the rest, in the case of uh, Disney, is uh, history, as they say. The copyright term extension act was brought to the floor by Sonny Bono. Oh, how cool. Did you know that? No, I had no idea. I I didn't even know that there was a copyright extension act. So if you look it up, it's Sonny Bono, and it's also known as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. Following the Copyright Act of 1976, a copyright would last normally for the life of the author plus 50 years. Or if there was more than one author, after the last surviving author, or 75 years from publication, or 100 years after creation. Disney lobbied for the act to be changed. Well, I believe he was a congressman from California. Yes. So it would make sense. I mean, Disney was is based out of Anaheim, isn't it? Yeah. So they lobbied for this copyright term to be extended, and it was Sonny Bono that was responsible for helping to push this through. It became effective October 27th of 1998, and it extended the act basically to 95 years. There are different calculations based on the particular work. And here we are with Mickey Mouse coming up on the 95th year, and... But is it for all of Mickey Mouse? No. I mean, I think it's just for whatever the original drawing was. So if you change Mickey just slightly, I would think, over you know the years, you probably could argue that there's a separate copyright for each one. Well, they're saying that, and by they, I mean Time Magazine, that the trademark look of the red shorts and the big eyes that we know 
from Mickey, and they don't mention the hands, the gloved hands. Right. But that trademark of the red shorts and the big eyes will continue to be protected. And the newer iteration of Mickey is still protected. It's just the original Steamboat Willie, and I believe that that came out in November of 1928. Wow, okay. So here we are. Of course, Mickey and Minnie were introduced to the world in that Steamboat Willie film. It was one of the first cartoons to use synchronized sound, which I didn't know, and is the mainstay of Disney's branding. There are hidden Mickeys all over the theme parks, right? Flowers, trees, clothes, everything. And and what's the little rat's name? It's not Ratatouille. What was it? Um, (laughs) Remy. Oh, that's right. It's Remy. Hey, you want to... You want to hear a little uh, trivia story about uh, Sonny Bono? Sure. I think I may have told you this already. Uh, Before we met, when I was bringing my kids out west to go skiing, one of our trips was out to uh, Lake Tahoe. And we would go, and my first wife and I would go out, and uh, we'd ski a little bit. But we'd put the kids with private lessons for the day Mm -hmm. or a half day. And what one instructor did was he took my son out uh, snowboarding, I believe it was, in the backcountry there at Tahoe. And it brought him to the tree where Sonny Bono hit and died. Oh, my gosh. So that was... uh, that was a big, exciting thing for my my young kid who had never at that point really heard the name Sonny Bono before. Well, since the start of this year, 2024, a trailer for a Mickey Mouse horror film is out there online. I guess you've seen it, right, Leo? I, I saw a picture and, and I started talking to you about that, but I then I wasn't really sure when you started questioning me if it was real or not. <laughs> Other digital creators are also editing footage from Steamboat Willie to try and make it sound like Mickey's using bad language. Oh, now, sure, why, why would you do that? Well, do you look, really want the little kids to hear Why that? are they doing anything? Did you see the recent thing about Taylor Swift uh, trying to uh, hawk uh, Le, Le Cousay products? Le Cousay, Le Cousay, Le whatever Cousay. it is. Apparently, AI put together some type of... Uh, some type of Taylor Swift lookalike uh, and sound alike. Really? Uh, pushing uh, Le Cuisée products. Wow. Or a I didn't giveaway see that. or a giveaway for Le Cuisée. I'm sure it's, you know, some kind of scamish thing. But, Did you uh, see it? Can you tell if it's I didn't I didn't see AI it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I like her music, but I, I don't like her enough to wanna start looking uh, start stalking her online, so to speak. <laughs> well, The last time we did a podcast, I think it was maybe two days ago. It was two days ago. You were talking about leap year. I was. And Sadie Hawkins Day. Right. Now, I thought it was Sadie Hawkins Day, which was February 29th. But apparently, uh, you corrected me. Uh, Of course, you corrected me. Well. Publicly, you you corrected me. (laughs) You didn't correct me privately and then edit it all out. You decided to leave it all in. Go ahead. The concept was right. The name wasn't. It's called Bachelor's Day, and it's an Irish tradition. And apparently, St. Patrick had a suitor named St. Bridget back in the 5th century. The story goes that St. Bridget went to St. Patrick and said, men take too long to propose to women. Can't we have a day where women can propose to men? You know, Patrick was kind of, uh, he was kind of busy getting all the snakes out of (laughs) Ireland at the time. So, 
Well, Patrick decided to acquiesce. He said, yes, that's fine. Women can propose to men on one day every seven years. And Bridget said, no, that's too long. Let's make it every four years. So they decided to make it leap year. Now, according to the Irish, marrying during the Lent observance, which occurs around the end of February, beginning of March, right? Normally, yeah. Unless it's late. You know, my mother was born in uh, April, and that was, she was born on Easter Day. So it can extend into April. Well, apparently there's a ban on getting married during Lent, or there was oh, I didn't in know Ireland. That. I don't know if that's still is that, exists Is that like giving not. up marriage for Lent? <laughs> but the custom was to allow women to initiate a dance with the man of their choice and also to propose marriage. But they had to identify themselves. I guess this way the men could see them coming from across the room. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's stop. As opposed to uh, the men not knowing who the women that were coming up to them to ask for well, their hand you, in marriage were? You, you know, if you were friends and you were just hanging out at a dance, you didn't necessarily know that you were going to be proposed to. In Scotland, and I believe they adopted this in Ireland too. I'm not positive. You can check on that. Women had to wear a red petticoat while they were proposing. And if the man refused, you would have to pay some sort of a fine or the man would have to give a gift to the woman. So normally, this was something like gloves, a silk gown, or as we got into the later years, mid-20th century, a fur coat. Now, you know who I'm thinking of, right? Color TV, car. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now that you bring it up, yes. And maybe that's where he got it from. Maybe he got it from Bachelor's Day. Anyway, women could initiate a dance or propose, and if the man turned her down, the fine was normally some sort of a consolation prize, well, if you f- will. Far right? less than what it was going to cost to break <laughs> up with the woman later on. I mean, I can assure you. <laughs> so this tradition, I guess, was fairly well known by the 1800s. I don't know that it really exists anymore, but it would be kind of cute to try it out. You know, I read some of the things, too. And, and besides gloves, I mean, there were several other things that uh, you would be have to pay as a, as a penance mm-hmm. uh, for turning down the uh, the invitation of wedlock from the woman walking up to you in the red petticoat. Now, I, back then, if I were a guy, I just wouldn't have gone out at all <laughs> on February 29th. I, I mean, e- even if you're the, the biggest town lush, stay out of the bars. And, and if, you see, so if you see someone with a red petticoat, you, Run. Have, you have to treat it like a black cat crossing your path on Halloween. Well, listen to this. What prompted St. Bridget to speak to St. Patrick about this was because she wanted to marry him. So once this went into effect, on the 29th of February, she went up to Patrick and proposed. He very politely turned her down, gave her a kiss on the cheek, and a silk dress. There you go. Aww. So cartoons, I guess in the United States, people followed this tradition also. And in the United States, there were cartoons that were published that would mock this concept, depicting women discussing 
the use of aggressive measures like nets and guns to capture unwitting men at dances. And I guess that's where the term snag your man came from or something oh, like I, that. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. You but, know, I, I remember Sadie Hawkins' dances. Uh, I think we had one in like junior high school or something like that. You did? I think so, if I remember correctly. But I mean, how many, there's been countless cartoons that I, I think I've seen growing up where it's that whole snag your guy thing. <laughs> Leo, believe it or not, I have another question that was sent in since Tuesday from a listener. Well, I have one too. Oh, goody. We're going to have dueling questions. Sure, why not? Go ahead. You ready? Yeah. Hi, Leo. Dump them. <laughs> Oh, I have to let you finish. I am a 26-year-old guy. Oh, okay. I'm shocked that a 26-year-old guy is listening to our podcast. But anyway, I'm attracted to a 40-year-old woman that I met at the gym. I think she's into me. Should I make a move to ask her out? Oh, absolutely. What say you? Oh, absolutely. Hey, at 40 probably still looking really good especially at the gym you know yeah uh now when you're talking about that you're 45 and she's 60 you know maybe uh maybe a little different but uh 40 years old oh it's i I don't want to sound sexist here i mean the whole (laughs) this is this is such a setup question for me i I mean it's why you're a guy it's it's like locker room talk i don't know what i would say i I mean you're a guy this is a perfect question 40 year old yeah look you know i i've seen enough facebook reels out there to see what uh 40 year old a lot of 40 year old women look like i'm honestly how many times they're at their sexual peak how many times have i said to you about uh, actresses when we watch a movie and and we've seen in this actress or uh mostly actresses i don't really refer to actors uh male actors uh in this way because i don't think us as males necessarily get better looking Oh, some but, do. But I got to tell you, I, like Taylor Swift did to me is the perfect example. She was kind of uh, an awkward looking young teen, late teen, early young woman. I think she's been developing into a, a really a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yes, she has. So many actresses that we've seen or female actors, however you want to put it, uh, that we've seen grow from 25 year olds to 45 year olds, I believe have gotten much more beautiful they have so absolutely you know ask away now you know what don't be surprised when she says no Mm. you know well he said that he thinks she's into well then then why not you know age maybe it's just a flirty glance from the treadmill well it could be but you know is age really that important i mean i'm younger than you are for god's sakes i mean (laughs) i'm not that much younger i I will i will admit and and you actually we've crossed over now where you look younger than i do well you said the other day that i proposed to you you did. And I want to set the record straight. When I said to you, will you marry me? And it was actually in our favorite Chinese restaurant. Yes. Right? Yes. While we were having lunch. It was. And I was making a joke, but it was true. I was saying, oh, you do this, you do that, did, you did do I that. Did I hesitate or laugh? And I said, will you marry me? And you said yes. Now, you insist that that is the proposal. What you fail to tell people is that there was another proposal that came from you. I did. I said, will you sign this prenup? No, you didn't. (laughs) 
And I said, no. (laughs) Girls, never sign a prenup. Never. I did propose to you. You did. And then uh, I also remember saying to you, now, don't get that excited, but I have a question for you. What type of diamond do you like? You did. That's when I knew things were real. It was really happening. So. Is that is that when you knew? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well. In the marriage realm. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we knew how we felt about each other long before that. We were together uh, almost two years, I think, before we got married. That's year, right. year and a half. Yeah. 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 So, and you know, we were in our 40s, so it's not like we could wait that much longer. <laughs> Why? Time was running out? Yeah. You know, the oh, clock was so ticking, funny. ticking, ticking. So we talked about a study the other day as well about the microplastics found in bottles. And I erroneously stated that part of the study was about the plastic that is emitted into the air from tires and also from laundering synthetic clothing. It's true that we are breathing particles from those two things, but it was not part of the study concerning the nanoplastics found in bottled water. Well, so I just plastic, wanted to make that correction. They're synthetic rubber, right? I mean, does that count as plastic? I guess so. I don't know. Maybe there's an aspect of the rubber that's combined with plastic. I really don't know. I don't know how tires are made. I don't know. I, I just know that we use a lot of plastic we do you know in, in and i'm stopping as far as, as far as packaging what have i started doing since i well, shared you, that story you you're finally using our hydro flasks yes. and bringing in water from our reverse osmosis system but yet no more plastic bottles the, your, for me your yogurt comes in plastic oh i know but i don't heat it okay i think the heating process i, I don't know is that that's true issue. you think that there's heat you're heating bottled water i i don't think so No, but I think cases of water sit out in the sun, sit in your car, temperature changes. You know, how often do you get in your car and there's a half empty bottle of water and you don't throw it out. You usually just pick it it up and drink it. (laughs) Give it to me. Very nice. So we were talking about microplastics. Here's a way to use plastic bottles to help people find a place to live. I love this concept. Two guys have found a way to print a 3D home using plastic bottles. Over 150,000 plastic bottles used for each home. One of the gentlemen who hails from the UK moved to California in 2019 and partnered with another gentleman who is a real estate developer. He has a background as a construction executive. The gentleman from the UK has a master's in engineering. They founded a company called Azure Printed Homes. They make modular prefabs out of material that we consider waste or garbage. They use 150,000 plastic bottles per home. The modular homes are about 200 square feet and they're printed in about 24 hours. I'm gonna show you a picture, Leo, so you can see how cool it looks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a little square. I mean, it's it's tiny, though. Now, these models range from 100 square feet. It's like a, what they're calling a backyard studio. 
and the price starts at $19,900 to a 900 square foot home that starts at about $200,000. Wow, that seems to be a lot of money for uh, that's 3D printed. Have You've seen 3D printing of homes using cement, right? I have. I mean, I, I think that that would be a, a much sturdier home. Well, what you get with the cost of the home is all interior and exterior finishes. You get power, you get lighting. All you have to do is furnish the home. You can also decide to have solar panels installed, a battery, if you want to live off the grid. And the entire manufacturing process takes only one week and installation could be completed in just one day. So if you want a little country house, a hundred square feet is isn't isn't a country house. Well, nine hundred. Our, our bathroom is a hundred uh-huh. square feet. Nine hundred square feet. If you want a little place to flop and have a beautiful mountain view, buy a little piece of land, and have your little prefab house put on that land. I think it's kind of cool. Oh, I think it's I think it's definitely cool. I'm just I, wondering. I, I would love to see a, a a real good use for all the plastics that that are out there i mean to, to see photos worldwide of, of beaches that are just covered with plastic bottles washing up on them we just need to ban them why can't we go back to the old-fashioned water fountain well when you start looking at the bacteria that was on water fountains oh, it's, it's probably pretty significant you know i did a bacteria study in high school we you had, did we had to do uh, wow. we had to do uh, some type of projects so i picked looking at bacteria around on various things in the school Okay. And it was when my father was uh, deputy mayor of Patterson. Okay. So I was able to use the health department there to help me with my project. And uh, I was given a trays with, uh, I guess it's a auger mix, I think it is. And you would go out and with a cotton swab, sterile swab, you would swab areas and then you would rub it on the tray. Right. And I had, I don't know, six trays or something like that. And I think I used the the water fountain, like doorknobs and inside a urinal. (laughs) The cleanest was inside the urinal. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Because, you know, for the most part. That's what they say. Well, for the most part, we're not supposed to have bacteria coming out of our bodies. Out of our bodies. bodies. That's right. Uh, The the water fountains are are kind of gross. Lips go on it, spit whatever and right? food you're eating food so, and you're you know not uh, you're kissing yeah not, other friends not, in the not hallway. the cleanest things in the world maybe <laughs> going back to glass bottles but boy we have so many bottled products today is in water especially uh, it just doesn't seem like we're going to ever go in that direction now <laughs> california and new york i believe have deposits on bottled products i was reading a story somewhere yesterday i don't remember where it was but it was in another country. And there's a vending machine that'll dispense water and food for a stray animal, to feed animals on the street. And the charge is to put in an empty plastic bottle. If you insert an empty plastic bottle into the machine, water and food will come out for a dog or cat who doesn't have a home and, and is hungry. So, very interesting. People are trying to come up with creative ways to use plastics. Now, I know that two of the pairs of sneakers that I have, 
both of them coming from Eileen Fisher, are made from plastic bottles. And I will tell you, they are some of the most comfortable shoes that I've ever worn. You wouldn't know that they come from recycled plastic. We just had a delivery today for you of fish. And that delivery was wrapped in apparently recycled denim, mats of recycled denim. There were two boxes. And even though this fish was apparently held up overnight uh, in a FedEx facility somewhere in Pennsylvania, when it made it to the house, the fish were still hard as a rock. They were. But it was this two inches or three inches completely surrounding the entire box uh, inside, the the top, uh, sides, and bottom of recycled denim. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. The company who does it is Vital Choice Seafood. I've been buying fish from them for a long time. Made from post-consumer blue jeans in the U.S. of A., they're saying that their recycled denim insulation provides an extraordinary thermal protection. It did. And yeah, the fish was a day late, but it was still hard as a rock. But you know what? We're going to now throw these mats out. I mean, no, so, no, I mean, no. you know, they would have been better off just using some, you, you know, styrofoam. Plastic. Yeah. <laughs> The denim insulation can safely be reused, repurposed, or recycled. Apparently, they have a mail-in recycling program, and I think I'm going to no, send no, it no. back. Wait a minute. Do, are they paying for it? I don't think so. I well, think you have to pay no. for the shipping. No, 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 no. Look, you know what? <laughs> Why are we paying to send them back shipping material that they're going to basically charge the next schmuck for? Well, that's our contribution. We're no, no, contributing no. You made to the contribution experiment. To yeah, no, I'm gonna no, try. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't be ordering fish then again from them. You know, if Listen they want, if they you. want, if they want that back, then let them pay for it. You can also include any worn-out denim that's 90% cotton or greater in the package that they can use to provide this insulation for other items that they ship. I think it's a great idea. I wish they would pay for the shipping. Now, you were talking about Goop the other day, and they are using a repurposed box. It's black. Nope, no pun intended. (laughs) And it's recyclable material. And you send it back to them at no charge. Right. And they reuse it. I guess Gwyneth is making more money selling goop products than Vital Choice is making selling fish. I remember when we were buying uh, Hewlett Packard toner cartridges mm-hmm. before we started buying the the recycled or the knockoff cartridges, mm-hmm. uh, which seemed to work just as well, by the way. Um, but they had a, a program whereby if you put the toner cartridge back in the box and it came with a, the new boxes of toner would come with a, a label on it and you would give it to the UPS people, they would bring it back to Hewlett Packard to be recycled. I remember that. Now, speaking of Eileen Fisher, she has a program that's called Waste No More. So rather than throwing your clothes away, your old clothes, in the garbage and they wind up in the landfill, if you send them back to Eileen Fisher or go to one of her stores, there aren't that many around anymore, but I think in this area there's a big hub Maybe in Secaucus, if I'm not mistaken. She has a store in New York in either Soho or 
somewhere around there. And I think there's one on Fifth Avenue also. But anyway, bring the clothes into Eileen Fisher or send them to her. But only her clothes? Yes. Okay. And she will repurpose them. Right. Their Waste No More program, they turn pieces of fabric into handbags, pillows, and they do something very cool now, which I really like. Why buy your own raw materials when you can have people give them to you for free? But it's a way to keep it out of the landfills. How about don't, I mean, I guess they have to be really in bad shape because otherwise, wouldn't it be better to donate your clothing to somebody who can actually use it. Yes, of course. And I normally do that. But she has something called painting with old clothes. It's a really terrific program. Yeah. And she's got some artists that cut up scraps of clothing and turn them into beautiful pieces of artwork that you can hang on the wall. So there are many ways to recycle, reuse, repurpose for all the stuff that's already out there. And believe it or not, the garment industry is a huge source of pollution throughout the world, not only in the way that they make clothing, especially cotton, believe it or not, they use an awful lot of water, but in the way clothes are gotten rid of when you no longer wear them. So it is always better to find a nice secondhand store and donate your clothing so that other people can enjoy them. This pretty much only applies to women. I don't think so. Men, for the most part, keep their clothes until they're just so ruined that they can't (laughs) they can't wear them anymore well hey your blue jeans can be used to insulate packages but don't you remember when we lived in jacksonville no pun intended on that either (laughs) don't you remember when we lived in jacksonville and we stopped at a consignment store and you bought a couple of really nice shirts there i did but i I that you still have i bought them as a gag they they all have uh logos on them for, for various companies so they if I, I if i want to be you know working in the garbage industry i have i have one if i want to be working at, at making website designs <laughs> i have a shirt that i can wear well you said you had a question for me i do so I, I have a question let's have it i i, I handpicked this one out and and i picked it out you'll you'll be able to figure out why okay says, i'm a very independent woman now, th- there's a red flag right there when someone starts out your, the, descript- the okay. description. Okay. Why? Because uh, what are they saying in that? Okay. I drive to and from work daily and consider myself quite a safe driver. When I go somewhere with my husband, he insists on driving. He speeds, tailgates, and overall just drives me <laughs> nuts when with his driving. Does it sound familiar? Should I take away the keys? I usually just sit through <laughs> it, but I'm getting ready to uh, start acting out like a backseat driver, especially when we have our kids with us. Any Mm. suggestions? Mm. Well, first of all, whatever conversation you're going to have, don't have it in front of the kids. Try to sort it out ahead of time so that they're not part of the discussion, especially not while he's driving. (laughs) But it's funny that this question came in, maybe it's from someone that we know, because this sounds an awful lot like you and I. Oh, it's it sounds totally like you Every and I. Every time we're on a major highway, you tailgate, and your reason for doing that is so that other people can't cut in front of you. First of all, I don't tailgate. There you is a, there, always tailgate. There is a two-second rule. When I was doing ambulance work we and had to take defensive driving as part of the uh, you know overall curriculum to 
to maintain the status on the ambulance corps. There's a two-second rule. No matter what speed you are, essentially, you stay two seconds from the bumper in front of you. You know, we've never been into an accident together, right? I mean, the worst that happened is, you know, I backed into your car coming out of the driveway. Do you understand that the two-second rule is equivalent to one vehicle length for every five miles per hour of your current speed? Okay. Okay. So if you're going 75 miles an hour. Yeah. How, how many vehicles? How many vehicles so, so have I sh- to be, be so I between have you and the car in lot, front of like, you? Like like four miles. I mean, that's the problem. You're, that's you're, the two second you, rule. You can't. You have to drive in <laughs> such a way that cars aren't then cutting in front of you constantly, because then not only are you then just falling back, but it becomes unsafe. You, you know, look, when you're driving, it doesn't matter. You you could be going. You're you're a hot rod, but when I'm driving. You're like white knuckled. Well, no, I'm not white knuckled, but I am concerned that if someone slams on their brakes, we're going to get into a pileup. Now, has that happened yet? I want to share this with has, you. Ha- has that happened? I yet? want to share this with you okay. because this is from an insurance website. Okay, go ahead. Okay. At 40 miles per hour, there should be nine cars between you and the car in front of you. Okay. All right. 50 miles per hour, 14 cars. Right. 60 miles per hour, 18 cars. And at 70 miles per hour, there should be an equivalent of 23 cars between you and the driver in front of you. Have you ever seen that? way that you drive like that. There is no way that anyone drives like that. Well, that's not true. Some people do. Yeah. It's the 90-year-olds that can't see that are in the that are normally in the left lane or the middle lane uh and and making it unsafe for everyone else well this question was for me and i'm going to answer the question a don't have your children present when you have the conversation especially if they're young when they're teenagers you can have the conversation with them after you have reached an agreement between you and your husband two You should definitely tell them how you feel, if it makes you feel nervous, worried, concerned, especially for the safety of the kids in the back of the car. Three, if he just dismisses you, like Leo often does to me, tell him that from now on you're going to share the driving responsibilities and let him see what it feels like to be in the passenger side while you're obeying the laws on the road and he's getting all fidgety because you're not close enough to the car in front of you. And, you know, distribute the um, the level of discomfort more equally. I couldn't agree with you more. Guy. <laughs> I'm driving home. Husband guy. Sit on that passenger side and just sit there and complain the whole time. Okay? <laughs> complain about the driving, complain about the people cutting in front. I don't complain. Because you the know whole what? Time. Every time a person cuts in front of you because you have 20 lengths between you, now you have to get 20 lengths back from that person who just dangerously cut in. Well, I will tell you that I have noticed, especially. Coming back to New Jersey, Floridians drive very differently than people in New Jersey, but they're equally crazy. There's very dangerous stretches of road in Florida, and all the windows are tinted. 
down there. So you can't even see who's driving the car or what's going on in the car. But I've noticed that many of us, many of us who are driving have long forgotten all the rules and laws that pertain to driving, passing on the right, staying a safe distance behind the car in front of you. Whoa, passing on the right where we should pass on the right or not pass on the right? You shouldn't pass on the right. Using your turn signals, giving adequate time before you put on your turn signal, before you're going to make a turn, switch lanes. I think we all have to go back to our little handbooks that we got in high school and reread some of those pages. It reminds me of a article that I just read the other day, and maybe we'll talk about this during our next podcast. Things that we knew were appropriate, appropriate behaviors, manners, rules and regulations on the road, courtesy, that we have forgotten and we just don't do it anymore. So maybe we'll discuss that next time. But for now, thank you so much for all the questions that you've been sending in. I love them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your support. We really appreciate it. And as the song says, get out there and make it happen. to make it happen so hot we burn